Welcome to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. Today's guest is Mary Elizabeth Jackson. She is a children's writer, special needs advocate, and empath. Today, we are going to talk about channeling, what it is, and what kind of beings people like you and me can channel. Mary, welcome to the program. Hi, Jody. Thanks for having me on today. The channeling topic is quite interesting because it not only takes in spirits, but also beings from other worlds, does it not? Yes, it, it really depends on who is the channeler and who they decide they want to connect with or is their focus. I don't know if you follow Abraham Hicks or not, but she practiced for nine months every day before her channel was really open for her to realize and and then start the work that she's been doing over the last 20, 30, 40 years. It's been a really long time she's been doing all this. I think for some people it happens very easily, I know people who channel multiple beings. I know people who think they're channeling aliens and beings from different universes or solar systems. That's not my cup of tea or anything that I do. How do you and I know what the truth is, really? If it's happening to someone else, we're not having their experience. So they channel aliens and beings from other universes or solar systems or planets, ancient beings, ancient ascended masters. Sometimes you'll find somebody who only channels one being and that's all they do. So I think it really depends on the channeler or the medium themselves or it's what shows up for them. Since you brought up mediums, I've talked to many people that speak with spirit, many claim to be able to speak with Jesus, mm -hmm. uh, I guess on a telepathic level. Some have actually said they've seen him in the flesh. What is the difference from someone who is able to communicate with spirit, communicate with past loved ones who, is, who have gone to the other side, and those that are actually channeling? Is it similar or is there a very gray area that separates the two? That's a really good question. I think that for a medium or a channel, it's a very different feeling with channeling maybe a, a being that's passed on in ancient as opposed to somebody like a loved one. So I think there's a different feel to the energy that comes in. <laughs> Say you and I were having a session or you were having a session with somebody who does that for a living or their loved one just passed. Maybe this loved one was a very angry person that experience would be very different because there might be a lot of anger, emotion, and feelings involved in the, the information that was coming through. You mentioned before that you and I, or anybody for that matter, do we really know the truth when someone says, I'm channeling this, I'm speaking a spirit? Well, of course not. And I get that question literally every single day from people. My answer is always the same. I don't know. It's not really my job to judge whether this is a truth or not. This is what people bring forth. And speaking of bringing forth, when I think of mediums, I also think of shamans. When I think of channeling, though, it seemed to be more in the camp of the shamanistic rites and the shamanistic type of communication because it's ancient. It has to do with summoning energies and so on. Is there a connection there? Yeah, that's a good question, too. It can be any of those varieties. Just like healing can come in any different shape or form. You can go to a Reiki healer who does a Reiki-type healing. You might go to somebody who just them speaking words to you 
invokes some sort of healing within you. A shaman is going to have more ritualistic type of things they're doing. I know a shaman. I've been in the tent and I've done the sweat lodge and all the, the drumming and the oils and things like that. I think it's for whatever format it comes for in the individual. For instance, my mother, when we're together and we go into meditation, she's got a pendulum that she uses. And so she has a pendulum and it's not really a crystal. It's actually a piece of jewelry. It's an animal. And when she goes into that space, her head goes down and her eyes are almost closed. Yet I know she's still present. Now, she doesn't do what some channelers do. Some channelers that I have experienced, their whole voice changes when they are channeling one or two or a hundred beings. They'll call them a collective if there's more than one person or being they're channeling. We need to keep that word being because they're really not in the human form anymore. Every person's experience is different. I have heard stories of people like that who go through these traumatic, maybe they have a near-death experience. They almost die and they come back like that happened for my mother. My mother died when I was five or six years old. She just had a toe surgery and she had a reaction to the medication and she fell and hit her head on a countertop. And then she was hovering over her body and she has the whole experience, not of a tunnel with white light. Hers was on a train going very fast toward a light. And then the train stopped suddenly and she got off. And there was Jesus standing there with all these people on the hill. And he was teaching. And she talks about the colors being more vibrant than anything we ever see here on our planet. During the NDE, during the near-death experience. Yeah, this is what was happening for my mom. Yes. So Jesus was teaching and something about children came up. And then she said, oh, my children, they need me. I was probably five or six years old, seven at the time. And he said, yes, my child, it's not your time to go. And then they touched her forehead. The next thing she knew, she was hovering over her body in the hospital. But for her, that opened something up for her. So I think that happens to a lot of people. I had some very profound experiences just recently going through COVID and being so sick and on the brink of not knowing if I was going to live or die. So it changed for me some of the ways that I'm living my life now and the way I'm looking at my life and knowing that there has to be more dedicated time to my spiritual life. I have to pull some things off the plate and make more space because if we're busy, that information or channeling or whatever you're doing, it can't come through because there's too much noise going on, too much action, too much friction. Sometimes it doesn't have to have that. Maybe you're walking in somewhere and you hear the words that somebody's going to say to you before it happens, or you see a situation before it happens, or you go, hey, JoJo's going to call me right now. And it just comes out of the ethers. I've heard of it. It's never happened to me, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it happens to my kids, actually. Everyone's healing is different. And the way people receive information is different. Also, we're all different learners. And somebody may be an auditory learner and someone may be a visual learner. I think there might be a connection between someone being spiritual and being able to channel. But sometimes they're connected that way because often spiritual practices have to do with quieting the mind. So even if someone is not religious, if they are very good at meditation or something they do to quiet the mind that puts them in a better place to receive. Absolutely. You have to be still and quiet really to get some of that information or answers. I think once you're tuned in, 
then that information can just be free flowing for you because it's sort of like the other side says, okay, you're an open channel. You're willing to receive. It can be just as simple as, you know, someone's going to call you before they do. I'm sure there's people that are able to do that and they think it's not really that big of a deal. Maybe it isn't. I find it fascinating every time it happens. For me, when it happens, it's like a validation that all of that world exists. Instead of you thinking, does it really, am I making this up? You know what I mean? So it's sort of that validation. It's also a training for trusting your intuition and your own inner guidance system. Is it a fair statement that in order to be a channel, one does not necessarily have to be religious. They have to do something to quiet the mind to be a receiver. If they're involved in those kind of practices, they're probably is some kind of a spiritual bent, but it's not required. I don't think it's required at all. I know channelers and mediums who believe in a bigger, higher power of the universe. They don't necessarily believe in religion. Some of them don't go to church. Some that I know do go to church. There's such a difference between religion and spiritualism. So that's always an interesting question. It is. It does tend to blur the lines of distinction between a medium and a channel, because the more we talk about this, I can see where some people would say they're essentially the same thing. A medium is essentially a conduit, right? When you think of a conduit and you think of a channel, I'm thinking of electric wires and pipes and stuff like that. And it seems to me channel, conduits, they seem to be very similar. They do. If you think about a metal rod that's on the sand at the beach and that lightning strikes it and the electricity conduits through that and then creates glass. A lot of mediums will allow the energy of the person who's passed to come into their body. And that's a little different than channeling because it sort of takes over the body as opposed to channeling is being kind of like an open radio frequency where the, you, you receive messages, they come in, you hear them, but they're not coming from you because you didn't think of it. So that doesn't take over your body. You don't take on the personality of, say your uncle Jim died and you came to me and said, hey, can we have my uncle come in so I could talk to him? So maybe I go into whatever my trance is or my getting ready to, to do my work and call that person in that all of a sudden I'm talking like some 50 year smoking New York person and I'm a woman, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little different than just receiving messages about things. I remember not too long ago, I interviewed a woman, Gates McKibben, who received messages where she was told by spirit to write. And she wrote three books about a group of people. It was centered around a, a couple. It was a love story that basically spans thousands of years because this group, the soul group, kept reincarnating over and over again. What she told me was she would receive the messages, she'd write it down, but afterwards she didn't remember any of it. She would look at it as if it was written by someone else, which I thought was really interesting. Yes. Now let's talk about entities who have been channeled and entities that you have channeled. So which one do you Mm -hmm. want to talk about first? I want to back up for a second because that is something that I do. Automatic writing is what it's called. It's where you surrender to being that conduit for that flow to come through. So we are creative beings on this planet. All of us are creative. I, I don't care if you can't draw a stick figure. There is some way in the world that you are creative. So if you think about 
being that conduit and surrendering to the words that come through you. If you want to try this, then just do a minute a day, do five minutes a day and work yourself up to, because anyone can do this. If I'm doing automatic writing, I sit and I ground and connect myself with the earth and I just release all judgment and ego. Then I'm like, okay, let me be a conduit for constructive information to flow through. Then I begin writing. And sometimes it's sort of like an out-of-body experience. There are a lot of times I go back and go, wow, did I really write this? Spirit wrote it. Your higher self or whatever you were tuned into. When we're talking about channeling, you have light energy. So your light energy is going to be at a higher vibration. That's God and your higher spirit and Jesus and Mary. Your heavier, denser, slower vibrational energy is going to be what we would consider more negative energy. If you're talking about beings that come from other planets and things like that, I know a couple of really famous people who do this kind of stuff. It's interesting to me that when they claim to be channeling these beings from other planets and universes, they're hearing it in our language, as far as I know. That's an interesting question, isn't it? Right, it is, because how else would they understand them if they weren't speaking in English? Maybe these beings have like a plug-in or something that says, like, well, I'm visiting Johnny Burke in South Florida. I'm going to use the English plugin. I don't know. I'm not quite sure how they would do that. But why don't we do this? Let's talk about some of the beings that you've channeled or you are currently channeling. And then we'll talk about some other types that we know of. We'll focus on your experiences first. For as long as I can remember, I have had three very profound ascended masters who are with me and then a guiding mother of light, I call her, and then a very ancient being. The three of the people who are with me most of the time are Jesus, Mary, and Buddha. And when I go into meditation and sit at the tree of life and have conversations, those are the three that always show up for me. It's very fascinating how do you know it's Jesus and Mother Mary and or whoever? And Buddha, yes, that's a good question because I can only talk from my own experience. So I guess I've been doing it so long that I recognize them in the way they look to me, but it's the way being an empath, it's their energy that I feel. It's funny when I am in meditation and they're there with me, Buddha does not say a whole lot. He usually just kind of nods his head <laughs> to things that Jesus and Mary say, but he will sometimes say things very profound. Mary and Jesus, both of them, it's very important to them that we all learn how to love ourselves, where we are in our life, no past, no present, just where you are in the moment. And to forgive others, it's that same thing from the very beginning of us knowing about Jesus and, and Mother Mary and the teachings. It's that kindness, forgiveness, and compassion. And to remember those and live by that's what will heal what we're going through right now. I had a vision that was given to me a couple of years ago with Jesus. This was before the pandemic. What he showed me was lights all over the planet then there are those of us who are way showers and those light workers. At some point, uh, each of us was handed information. We've got that information inside of us to help others remember what they already really know to be that better version of themselves. All of these lights at some time in the future, all of the lights on the planet will all come together. And I can see this visual very, very clearly. And I've had other people verify that have gotten the same vision like all the lights are on everything's connected 
Is that what that possibly means? It's that all of those light workers and way showers, the more lights that are turned on, instead of them being spread out all over the planet, we will converge together. When more than one person prays for someone, that's so much more power, much more powerful than just one person. So if you have a group of like-minded beings or people on this planet who are walking in peace and their energy is pushing that out there in the world and they're sharing light and love and kindness and respect and forgiveness. Compassion is one of the highest vibrational energies there is. On that note, I couldn't help but notice interviewing people on Closer to Venus. There's been quite a few people that openly profess their love for Jesus. Most of them are not even religious. Some will even go as far as to say, Bible's junk, throw it out the window. There's so much stuff in it. It it makes it almost too much work to really find the truth of divine love. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was very interesting. That seems to be a fairly recent phenomenon. Why do you suppose that's happening now? Does that have something to do with the vision of the lights coming together? There are more people waking up. But look at the pandemic. If it hasn't turned them toward God, because I don't know if churches are filling up. I always thought during the pandemic, churches would be filling up with people. Uh, What do we do? Help us. How do we change this? How do we save the world? But people are learning how to, to be in the moment and what the really important things are in life. And then they're somehow being introduced or connected to way showers and light workers. There's a lot of the the stuff out there I don't listen to. I don't read the books. I don't talk to those people. I have to go on what my experiences are and being an empath because we're a planet of duality. There is a judgment on that, I understand. But if you walk into a room of people and you get kind of like the heebie-jeebies about someone It doesn't mean it's a judgment. It means it's an awareness that maybe that person is not vibrating at the same vibration as you, and it might cause a little friction or may not be the best for you. So you need to self-care and maybe go sit with someone else that feels better to you. It's a vibe. vibe. You could be at the gym or a coffee shop, and you might feel like talking to some person or group of people, but you just don't get that friendly vibe. And you start to think, is it my imagination? Eh, probably not. Am I being judgmental? You see your neighbor, you want to say hi, but they're like trying to avoid as many people as possible and always saying hello when they really need to, which I guess it's just the way they are. You haven't had experiences with beings from other star systems and planets and so forth. Right. Not that you not know. Not that of. I know of. Not that I know of or tuned into. Now, in my dreams, I have, but not sitting there going into meditation. I have not. But in my dreams, since I was as young as I can remember, always seeking the truth about God, it was like something that drove me as a child. I think when you're channeling, it's a discernment thing too. What feels safe or good? A good vibe, like you're saying, for you to talk to or channel, unless you want to channel some evil being. Which is exactly what I wanted to ask you about. I know that many mediums set the boundaries, Mm -hmm. setting boundaries against any dark spirits or whatever you want to call them. I honestly don't even want to talk about it, but I know it exists. So when you channel, when people channel, is it a practice where they have to do the same thing to kind of set the boundaries so they don't run afoul of any spirits that might not have their best interests in mind? 
Every, everyone I know does that. You do an opening and a close in whatever fashion that you do it in. When I'm at the end, I seal everything with God's light. What's yours is yours. What's mine is mine. And our session is complete. There are boundaries everywhere. We have physical boundaries. We have energetic boundaries. There's a lot of work I've had to do with clearing the space in my home. I've had to learn about those protected boundaries for myself because of being so sensitive. So yes, you do have to set those perimeters for yourself that the only light is here, only higher vibration may enter my home is a temple for God. Those are some of those protective boundaries that people I know do as well as myself. For someone that is interested in learning how to do this, how to channel, where do they start? They need to start with practicing getting quiet every day, even if it's for a minute to quiet the brain, because we're so used to being on go all the time and tuned into technology, which has made our brains more ADD than they were before, you've got to get your brain to calm down so you can focus. You need to get very quiet and ask to be a channel to receive information, constructive information, positive information, that kind of thing. And I would keep a journal, write what your experiences are. If you have a question, write it down and then get really quiet and center yourself. Go into your heart space right there where your heart is and see if an answer comes to you. What I've noticed since having COVID, every single day that I'm doing this, I'm seeing the results I'm seeing come from it in the place that it's allowing me to be. It's helping my body heal. It's helping me to stay in more of a place of groundedness and peace. So it's worth putting that time in. I think it can also eliminate any kind of negative connotation with someone calling themselves a medium. They can be a channel and not even talk about it. As a channeler, as a Reiki healer, which I'm hearing an awful lot about Reiki healers these days as well. And they're amazing. Absolutely amazing. It actually does seem to be a safe entry into the world of the intuitives because it's like going to a chiropractor or something as opposed to going to a medium. Some people are probably afraid to even admit they do that because their friends might ridicule them. Jesus did say to me, he was handing down his teachings, his lessons, and, and his want for us to talk about him and teach the ways because now in the time we're in, no one will be persecuted like he was in the days that he was alive. He was persecuted for his beliefs because it went against the system. But now we have a collective whole of people all over our planet who are looking for peace and calm and forgiveness and people getting along and the world being a better place. Hopefully compassion will eventually be the new cool. In one of my recent interviews about a woman who communicates with Jesus, like you, seems completely normal. She doesn't have 15 different color braids and doesn't live in the Amazon forest. Don't live in a hut somewhere. You go to church. My kids are at Christian school. I've been on PTA. I did it for 10 years, blah, 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 you know. Right. And I had to ask. I said, so how did you begin communicating with Jesus? And she said, well, I didn't know it was him at first, but I figured it out later. But the first time he appeared to me, he looked like a 20-something guy, young dude with Tevas on. And I thought, wow, that sounds like someone who's on his way to a Pearl Jam concert or something. And he was very snarky. He had a sense of humor, which I thought was really interesting. So, Mary, thanks for joining us today. Really, really cool stuff and definitely good advice for someone who wants to learn about channeling. How can our listeners find out more about you online? You can go to www.maryejackson.com. I have two online shows. Those are focused on writers and special needs. I will put that link in the show notes and the transcript as well. 
You've been listening to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. You can also leave us a review on iTunes as well. For more info, please go to closertovenus.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.